Welcome back to another episode of the Broncos Avenue Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Amir Farrell. With, as you guys can tell, we got a guest on today. This week's guest, he is the radio host for Mile High Sports, the co-host of The Morning Drive on 98.1 FM and MileHighSports.com. He is the one and only Eric Goodman. Eric, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to be on the show. Um, how, how's it going, man? Good. I could not have written a better intro myself, although I did write it, and I apologize for my punctuation and my grammar, but, you know, thanks for cleaning it up for me. <laughs> of course, man. Thank you uh, for being on the show. Like I said, I hope you're having a great morning. Hope everybody listening to the show is having a great morning and a great week, uh, rest of their, you know, coming up on the weekend. Uh, obviously, Broncos playing um, this week against the Chiefs, hope, hoping to not extend that streak to a uh, 17 straight. Um, Eric, good to hear you're doing uh, well. Uh, just before we go ahead and uh, start talking Broncos, you know, obviously the trade deadline approaching, um, you want to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, what got you into covering Denver sports and everything? Well, I've been doing this for 30 years. So uh, for well over half my life, I spent 20 years on television. Uh, most recently, I was the main television sports anchor at Fox 31 here in Denver. Before that, I was the main television sports anchor in Chicago to the pre and post game shows for the Cubs, the White Sox, Bulls, and Blackhawks. was also their main anchor as well. And then I anchored at CNN for a while down in Atlanta when they used to have a sports department. And I've uh, hosted a show on Mile High Sports Radio for the last 14 years. So that's a quick thumbnail sketch of what I've done, and I appreciate you having me on today. Of course, man. And no kidding. I actually live in Chicago. I'm a huge Sox fan. So that that's uh, pretty cool to hear about that. Uh, I've, I've been I, usually over the last few years, I would go to a bunch of home games, but this year couldn't make any. It's just, it, looking really uh, definitely was a rough season for uh, Sox fans. Obviously. Well, what year? Well, what? Well, let's start it with this as I'm going to show my age. What year were you born? Oh, two. OK, so I was covering the team when you were born. That's awesome. So I, I covered them starting in 2000 when they won the division and got swept out of the playoffs by Seattle when they had Frank Thomas and Maglio Ordonez, and they had a really yeah. good team. And I remember sitting in the camera well uh, in Seattle at Safeco, and I'm thinking, are these guys really going to get swept? They were so good this year. And is the, are the playoffs going to be over that fast? And sure enough, it was over that fast. Yeah, man, that, that's pretty cool. I actually, I didn't know that. You you learn something new every day, right? Um, so let's go ahead and uh, shift over to the Broncos a little bit. Uh, obviously, um, this year has not gone to anybody's expectations with Sean Payton. Obviously, all, trading all that draft capital for Russell Wilson, and like I said, Sean Payton, multiple firsts, multiple seconds. Broncos standing at two and five. How are your overall thoughts uh, thoughts on the season? Um, and where do you think like the issue starts with? Like, do you think it's more of like a culture thing? Um, and do you think the two and five star is more of like a player issue or a coaching issue? I think that Sean Payton is a great offensive mind. I think that he has a lot of history in what he has done with New Orleans. I don't think, and I think it would be harsh to say, I am not suggesting that the players have tuned him out but I am suggesting they have not embraced him and tuned in. I think that that's a very simple way to put it. I, th I believe they have more talent on this roster than they are showing. I think they had more talent. I think they have more talent this year than they had last year. So when Sean Payton says that Nathaniel Hackett did one of the worst coaching jobs in NFL history, that team had less talent than this team has. They have a better offensive line. I don't think any reasonable person would argue that. Russell Wilson has been better. Don't think any reasonable person would argue that. They have a better running back room. 
as well with McLaughlin. Javante Williams is healthy, right? Samaj P. Ryan has been very good. Cortland Sutton, another year removed from that ACL. Jerry Judy, another year in the league. Are they missing Greg Dulcich? Yeah, that certainly hurts. But if your whole season is going to fall apart because you're not getting production out of an unproven tight end, that's a big problem. Defensively, I think they upgraded with Zach Allen. He's having a better season than Draymond Jones. Again, no reasonable person is going to argue that. DJ Jones has been fine. Sertan is Sertan. Uh, Simmons is Simmons. They have two tackling machines in the middle with Josie Jewell and Alex Singleton, and they just haven't played up to their potential. It's hard to put my finger on what the disconnect is. Maybe it is just a culture of losing and they can't find a way to get out of it. But I think this team has more talent than they did last year. And so if I'm Sean Payton, who still hasn't apologized to Nathaniel Hackett, I'd say, you know what, Sean, or excuse me, you know what, Nathaniel, maybe you weren't as bad as I thought you were, considering I have more talent and my team is off to a worse start than yours was. I will say, like I've thought over the last few weeks, you know, obviously Hackett came into Denver and got that win. I, I do think there a lot more blame is put on him than maybe it should have been, just like from an unbiased standpoint, because a lot of Broncos fans will obviously like to point the fingers wherever they can. And obviously Hackett being the leader of the, the group last year, kind of losing them at the end of the year um, in that Rams game on Christmas. It, it's obviously easy to point the fingers at him, but there is a lot of different things. Like obviously schematically, maybe the offense didn't tailor to what Russell Wilson did best. But overall, like you said, those are good points. Like almost every position group, we were worse last year than this year. Um, yeah, I, and I think overall, just this, this roster is a, a tad bit uh, overrated and isn't as good as you know people thought it was heading into the season. But those are good points to bring up. Um, and I think honestly, it's just there's mud on everybody's hands. It's not just one player or one coach. Or um, I know people are pinning it a lot on Vance Joseph this year, but it goes farther than that. Um, one of the next things I want to talk about. Um, you guys mentioned this on the morning drive. I mean, the narrative changes from week to week in the NFL. I mean, teams are always winning games that nobody expects them to win. Certain teams are always going going on runs, unexpected runs, whether that's winning or losing. Do you think the Broncos are kind of falling under that category this year, where they could, you know, potentially turn the season around, or do you think the playoffs ho the playoff hopes are already gone and the Broncos are just a bad football team in general? I'm not going to – I suppose you can categorize them as a bad team and you can fall under the assumption that any given Sunday. Yeah. But I don't see 10 consecutive weeks of playing, 11 because they have the bye, that they're going to win because it's any given Sunday. Yes, you might get a win on Sunday against the Chiefs. That's an any given Sunday type of scenario. I think their schedule is tougher than it was before. They started 0-3 in home. They lost to a Bears team that is not going to make the playoffs. They lost to a Commanders team that is likely not going to make the playoffs. They magically beat a Packers team that is not good. They are not only young, but you want to talk about a team that is completely banged up. That game, the Broncos should have won that game handily. We talked to actually about something on the show today, and this is what is incredibly positive about what Sean Payton has done. But if you look at it through a cynical eye, it's incredibly troubling. One of the biggest problems for the Broncos historically, and I've covered this team for 20 years, has been soft tissue injuries. 
It has been year after year after year. And in altitude, it's much more difficult to recover. And every year you look at a, you know, an injury report week to week, you, you see a huge chunk of Broncos players. Sometimes you almost, it felt like you needed two pages for the injury report. Sean Payton has done a brilliant job of using something called zebra technology, which is a some sort of technological way to monitor players and try and curb soft tissue injuries. Did you get a chance to look at the injury report going into this game yesterday? Almost no players. If there, if guys are out, it's IR. So. Unless you know who Dwayne Washington is, and most people don't, he was the only guy who did not practice yesterday. Justin Simmons was listed as limited. So on the bright side, moving forward, maybe just maybe Sean Payton has cracked the code with this new technology, with the new training staff on how to keep these players healthy. Let's think about this. They've had one soft tissue injury all season that has plagued them. And that is Greg Dulcich with a hamstring. Tim Patrick, torn Achilles. That it's, a, it's a soft tissue injury in theory, but it's not a traditional soft tissue injury. Uh, you have Caden Stearns, the jersey right behind you. That was a torn patella tendon. That's a soft tissue. I get it, but it's not a soft tissue injury. That's just a rip. That happens during a game. Getting to my point, this team has been almost fully healthy all year. The entire offensive line has played together the entire year. Javante Williams has played almost every game. Russell Wilson has played every game. Justin Simmons has missed a handful. Zach Allen hasn't missed any games. DJ Jones a couple. But generally speaking, is it fair to say this team has been almost completely healthy this year, especially when you compare it to last year's? Absolutely. Fair statement. So if you have a relatively fully healthy roster because of what Sean Payton has implemented with combating soft tissue injuries, how bad is this team? That you have basically a full roster of players. You're sitting at two and five right now, and you're playing a team like a pack, the Packers, who are missing two of their best defensive players going into the game. Jair Alexander certainly being the best. You lose three in the first half. You're missing five defensive starters going into the second half of last Sunday's game. They're missing their two starting tackles. They're banged up everywhere. They have rookie wide receivers running all over the field. Their tight end is a rookie as well. The Broncos are healthy, and they almost lost. How right. troubling is that? So it's a positive that Peyton has found a way to keep this team healthy with soft tissue injuries. But basically, it's like a preseason game. You have your first teamers in some ways going up against a lot of second teamers as this season has gone, gone along, and the Broncos are still losing. That's troubling. I absolutely agree. I mean, the strength of opponents that they have beat, the record-wise, not looking great. And that's why I've said multiple times and reiterated on this podcast that it's not looking too bright from here on out. And I do think they kind of need a rebuild of the roster. Like you mentioned, I mean, I think there was even a tweet out there one of the recent days that kind of um, – it was a stat where the Broncos are like the ninth oldest roster or something like that in the, in, in the NFL. And you tell me that they're a bottom five unit in the NFL in terms of their two and five record. I mean – not not great. Not great. Here, think about this for a second. What if the Broncos were missing two of their top defensive players in the game against the Packers, like the Packers were in the game against the Broncos? Take Sertan and Simmons out of the lineup. What do you think that game looks like? 
it's definitely a Broncos loss, and it'll be even worse. Take out like David Bakhtiari is out for the Packers, right? All season. Take out Bowles and McGlinchey. What does that offensive line look like? They're like a couple of injuries away from getting boat raced. That's what it feels like. And they're playing close games against bad teams with a healthy roster. What would this team look like if they were banged up like most of the other teams? It would be embarrassing to watch at times. Yeah. The, uh, we have a point differential of five points in our games that we have won. It's just ridiculous to say the least you would uh, and we talk more about if this is an actual legitimate team you go out and you know have a convincing win the broncos have yet to do that um and, and like you said i mean perfect i mean they barely beat the bears in chicago and barely could beat the packers at home with a much 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 more experienced uh roster um you know from top to bottom more healthy and like i said uh two and five i there's just no way someone can convince me that this team goes on a run i mean even if you win this sunday against the chiefs it has to be very convincing for me to even like consider the broncos going on any type of run run this season in my opinion Um, a run to a run to eight nine they're not making that's what it's all about it's not it's not about being eight nine it's not about being nine and eight it's about making the playoffs and making a run this team right now is not ready for that Russell Wilson is not the problem, but I don't think Russell Wilson is the solution. And I did an interview yesterday with Pete Sweeney, who writes for Arrowhead Pride, Chiefs Kingdom. You know, he's, he's one of their analysts. Um, and I said to him about Russell Wilson, I'd be curious to know your opinion. Russell, Will, this team wants to run the ball. They are at their best running the ball. Would you agree? Yeah. Okay. So why would you keep a quarterback – making that type of money for a run-first team. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Again, Russell is not the problem. But if but if your offense and your identity is to run the ball, why are you paying a guy 45-plus million to hand off the ball? You might as well do it to a rookie where you have cost control for the next five years, and hopefully that guy develops. Absolutely agree. And I think um... – I don't think a lot of Broncos fans, some may like to disagree, but I think I would like to confidently say that I think the Broncos are moving on from Russell Wilson next year. Um, I believe it's yeah, like the fifth day of the new league year. Um, just I, I don't see any situation. And I, I've said it on this show. I feel like Sean Payne has already internally moved on from Russell Wilson. Um, and I, I've said it and I wrote it for predominantly orange. I think the Broncos should bench Russell Wilson um, just because that $37 million, um, I, I don't know if it's really a clause, but um, if he does get injured, then he, the Broncos will be forced to pay that $37 million. And that's just more additional money that you're having to double down in that Russell Wilson contract. I would disagree with you. you. You can't bench him now, and I'll tell you why. Because then you destroy the locker room. You have basically told the entire roster of players who are working hard, will never try to lose, will never try to tank, that eight games into the season, if they benched him going into this Sunday's game, you have basically said we're moving on to next year. You're not even halfway through the season. You can't do that to you can't do that to Zach Allen, who came here. You can't do that to a veteran like DJ Jones. You can't do that to Pat Sertain. You can't say we're already moving on to Jared Stidham just to see what he does. It's much more complicated than, you know, um, l- let's see what Stidham can do. You've told the because remember, Russell Wilson's not the problem. He really isn't. He hasn't had – he's had a few games where he hasn't been great, but he's also had more than a few games where he has 
helped them tremendously, and the stats bear that out. You are sending a message to the locker room. It's on to next season if you do it seven games into the season. Guys, if they see that, yeah, they, they know they're going to be on tape and they move might move to another team, and that's fine. But why are guys going to work extra hard in film and on the field? And yes, they want to keep their jobs. If the coach has told them, we are taking the quarterback off the field who is having, at least statistically, one of his best seasons. You could do that week 15, but you don't do that week eight. No, yeah, I, I agree. Um, I And I don't, I you know, just to clarify, I don't think they will, obviously. I mean, um, I don't think Champagne really is, even for all the people who think he will come in and just trade a bunch of players and bench Russell Wilson, uh, you know, before this deadline. I don't think it's realistic. I just feel like for the long term of this franchise, it, it is the right move. But in terms of, like, you know, history, I don't think teams ever do that. We even saw last year the the Raiders waited all the way till like, the last few weeks to bench um, – Derek Carr and throw in Jarrett Stidham five days to uh, the NFL trade deadline, uh, five days. till Halloween, how are you feeling about this? I know we already talked a little bit about the roster, but specifically some players um, who are some players that you feel um, the Broncos will move and who are some players that you would prefer the Broncos to move? That's a great question because people talk about trades all the time. This isn't fantasy football. Okay. So who should we trade? My answer is always the same. What are you getting in return? Just tell me what you're getting in return. Um, should we trade Garrett Bowles? Oh, I hate Garrett Bowles. You want him for a seventh round pick? Well, then maybe I'd like to keep Garrett Bowles. Does that make sense? With that, I think Jerry Judy needs to go. Period. If they gave him away for nothing, I think he needs to go. He's immature, but he's incredibly talented. He is... Arguably, outside of, and I've covered all these guys, outside of Demarius Thomas and Brandon Marshall, he is the most gifted wide receiver physically I've ever seen put on a Broncos uniform. And yes, more so than Rod Smith, who I covered as well. Rod Smith had talent, but man, his work ethic made him great. And Rod's a friend of mine. Rod outworked everyone, and he complemented his work ethic with his talent. But when you talk about pure physical gifts, Brandon Marshall, as you know, ran over people. Demarius Thomas, tremendous physical talent. Jerry Judy is in that category, but he's immature, and he needs to grow up. And I think he's toxic on that team, specifically in the wide receiver room, from people I have talked to. So let, me ref so let me say that again. This isn't coming from watching TV and seeing maybe he's having an argument with somebody on the sideline. My understanding is Jerry Judy's not going to win a lot of popularity contests in that wide receiver room. I'm not suggesting he's hated. I'm just saying that he's a lot of talk. I think you should trade him. I think you need to get him off this roster. I do. I think you'll maybe get a fourth-round pick for him. If you're lucky, you'll get a third-round pick for him. They wanted, I believe, a second and a fourth for him in the offseason, right? Well, after that whole thing with Steve Smith and Steve Smith being a Hall of Famer saying, I wouldn't even touch this guy, I think other people around the league listen to that stuff as well he, they should. And the way he has acted, going after friends of mine, Mark Schlereth on Twitter and Philip Lindsay on Twitter, dude, grow up. The criticism is warranted and it's accurate. 
you don't need to watch the all 22 to know that when Russell Wilson is running from bees and you see Jerry Judy not running back to the ball, even the layman knows Jerry's not doing the right thing. I think when, when I brought up Jerry's name, I, I, my instinct says, you think Jerry Judy's a really talented guy. And I think we would agree. Would you just get him off the roster? I wouldn't train him for just like squat. I, w- I would definitely try to, um, and I, obviously the GM knows that too. I mean, they're going to try to get what the best, you know, return value they can they can get out of him. Um, yeah, I, I agree with, in terms of him being a really talented receiver. Absolutely. Very talented. But here's the other thing as well. Being a wide receiver, unless you're Randy Moss, unless you're Randy Moss, and you can make the case no one's entitled to take plays off. Randy Moss took a lot of plays off. Ball wasn't going his way. He would just give up on routes and barely block. But we're talking about Randy Moss. Jerry Judy does the same thing, but he's Jerry Judy. In this offense, as a wide receiver, you need to block. That's that's part of the part of the process. If you want to be on the field, you have to put Jerry Judy on the field because of his talent. Jerry Judy isn't a willing blocker. It's just not his thing. And in a Sean Payton, in theory, run first offense, you better learn how to block or you better block. But I'll give you a better historical perspective. Would you agree that Brandon Ayuk with the 49ers is probably one of the better wide receivers in the league? Yeah, definitely. He's a route technician. Exactly. But you know why he lost playing time with Kyle Shanahan? He didn't block. And Kyle said, no, no, come with me on the bench to you figure it out that we block in this offense, right? And once it snapped with Ayuk, bang, he was back on the field. And he is a blocker. Who's the who's arguably the best blocking tight end in football history? George Kittle. Willing blocker, great blocker. With the 49ers, you have to block as a wide receiver. Debo Samuel, the same way, kind of like it was with Mike Shanahan. If you wanted to play for Mike Shanahan as a wide receiver, you had to block. Eddie McCaffrey knew that. Rod Smith knew that. And they were both not only willing blockers, but great blockers. Sean Payton needs his wide receivers to block. And Jerry Judy isn't a willing blocker. And to me, he is a guy when the ball's not going his way. Oh, ball's not going my way. He, he's, he's not my type of guy. He's just not. Cortland Sutton... I think they will try and get something for him. Josie Jewell, who's a a friend of mine, and I've known Josie forever. We're not friends like we go drink. We're not drinking buddies, but we we talk all the time in the locker room. I would love to see Josie stay, but but I think he's on the final year of his contract. And you already have a young kid who's going to take his place. It would make sense to trade him. Wouldn't you agree? And you just signed Singleton. Garrett Bowles. I'm not sure he'll be on this team next year because of what he's making. But there are a couple things to consider when it comes to trading him. One, who in the world are you going to replace him with? I mean, Cam Fleming's the the only option, really. Right, which isn't much of an option, with all due respect to Cam Fleming. And Garrett's actually played pretty well this year. But the other thing is, when you're this deep into the season, when teams are making trades... You are looking to accentuate what you have, meaning that's why you see teams pick up cornerbacks and wide receivers and pass rushers. 
impact players that accentuate what you have. Very few teams that are contending right now need starting left tackles. They're pretty good at that position already. So I don't know if there's much of a trade market for Garrett Bowles right now. That was about a 20-minute answer to a three-second question, so I apologize. No, you're good. And Garrett Bowles, I think uh, he honestly, if we're going to move him, it would probably be after the season. If a team ends up you know, letting their tackle go or whatever it is, then they'll go ahead. Uh, the Broncos will trade him, but I just don't see it at any point because all the mock trades I'm seeing right now are to like the Jets and the Browns, which I don't think he would be the starting left tackle right away on those teams. For the um, Jets? Yeah, the really? Jets would have to do some uh, moving. Yeah, I've seen the Jets because Beckton has played left and right tackle and Vera Tucker's out for the year, so they could move around Beckton, but at the same time, I just don't see them doing that. Honestly, I don't see the, the Broncos trading Bulls to begin with this this season at least. But um, my last question for you today for going to go ahead and cap things off, I know we talk a lot about circumstances and you know the NFL changing from week to week, but if you absolutely had just had to give a record prediction for the rest of the year, like you know, let's say you think the Broncos are going 6-11, like, what do you what do you think uh, the the record prediction is going to look like at the end of the season? Five wins, maybe six. It's higher you, than I. I have four, higher I have than me. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, yeah, I don't. I mean, when I look at a schedule, and I don't know what they're going to do with the trade deadline. I, I do. I see four more wins. Maybe, maybe. But but here's my question to you. If the Broncos go 5-12, and 12, and this is a little circular logic here, okay? If the Broncos go 5-12, and 12, and Nathaniel Hackett was one of the worst coaches in NFL history at 5-12, and 12, although he left right before the end of the season, and Sean Payton's team finishes 5-12, and 12, doesn't that make Sean Payton one of the worst coaches in NFL history? Circular logic, I get it. But isn't that true? I disagree. I no, feel I like Sean Payton said Hackett did one of the worst coaching jobs in NFL history. Five wins. You and I both agreed at the beginning of this segment the talent on this team is better. So if the Broncos finish with the same number of losses, how is this not one of the worst coaching jobs in NFL history? Take away Sean Payton's resume. Take away his name. Call him Bill Johnson if you want to. So if one guy was 5-12, and 12, one of the worst coaching jobs in NFL history, how does Bill Johnson not have one of the worst coaching jobs in NFL history with the same exact record and more talent? Well, first of all, I mean, the offense is much more improved from last year. I mean, points per game is way more up. The defense is, I, you know, we can all agree that it's blown us multiple games already. Um, maybe the defense does continue with, you know, the continuity over the last few weeks and improves over the course of the season and shapes up to be maybe a top 16 unit, which is a far, far stretch. But overall, I think, I mean, he's already being forced to foresee a lot. Of, he's seeing more than just the offense right now. You can see his, his blueprint, all, his fingerprints already on the defense. I don't think it's really just a Vance Joseph, um, you know, thing there. Um, obviously, he's forced him to make adjustments and whatnot. I, I just don't know if you can really say what, Hackett did for that team last year is what Sean Payton is doing for this team this let year. Me ask, let me ask you a question. Through the opening seven games, which team was better, last year's team or this year's team? When last year's team lost two in overtime and a one and a one point loss, this team gave up seventy in a game. Okay, they gave up thirty five to the Commanders. 
and a quarterback who was making his first career road start. They barely beat a really bad Packers team and had to have a huge comeback against the Bears. For as much as we want to speculate what the record could have been, you know, well, if this happened and this happened, they could have been this, right? So with that, what if the Broncos win those two overtime games and they win the one-point game against Seattle? McManus hits that field goal. Suddenly they're 6-1. and one. That's revisionist history, and I understand that. But again, this team is two and five. They're about to be two and six. The Broncos were not two and six under Nathaniel Hackett, and he was not a good head coach. He had problems managing the clock. But then again, I find it rich that Sean Payton came in day one saying, fans are not going to be counting us down. I know how to manage the game. And then in the loss against the Chiefs said, I forgot what down it was. Yeah, I I don't think anybody can say that Sean Payton has done the absolute best job. And I don't think it's on him, just him either. I, obviously, it starts a leadership all the time. Um, but just me personally, I think there's a lot. We can obviously point fingers wherever we want, but I don't think I would point, you know, my biggest uh, you know, blames to champagne if that makes any sense. I think it's a really a, a biggest, you know, mixture of issues. Whereas last year, the defense just absolutely stout was the single-handedly keeping the Broncos in games. Whereas this year, I, for everything for us to win these games, I feel like the offense had to be absolutely like nearly perfect. The offense was absolutely putrid last year. No reasonable person is going to argue that. And is the offense better under Sean Payton? Absolutely. But I'll ask you this. If you look at the first four or five games, they're pretty good on script. Wouldn't you agree? First 15, 20 plays? Yeah. They score definitely. early. How do they do in the second half? Putrid. Oh, isn't that called in-game adjustments? Halftime adjustments, right? So how is the offensive genius doing when other teams are making adjustments and he's out getting adjusted and out coached? in the second half. This is how I look at Sean Payton moving forward. He signed a five-year deal, but he has a three-year deal. That's it. He's got a three-year deal. Next, this year's a wash. They're going to they're gonna clean out the roster. Next year, they're probably, they might even be worse next year. Maybe a little bit better. Next year is a, I forgive you, Sean, from Greg Penner. Year three, they better turn it around or he's done. That's it. He's done. He gets three years. He'll get... This year is a pass. Next year, in theory, is going to be a pass because they're going to restructure this roster. And if things don't improve by year three, I don't even th you, you seem like someone, and that's okay because you're in the you're in the majority. And oh, by the way, I would I do want I would want Sean Payton overseeing a restructure. I'm not an anti Sean Payton guy. I would rather Payton oversee a restructure than Hackett. Absolutely, I would. But Sean Payton's on a three-year deal. If year three, they start off two and six, he's gone by game nine. You'd agree with that, wouldn't you? Because then this year and next year are probably not going to be pretty because they're going to have a new quarterback. Would you agree? Yeah, I don't think any head coaches – I mean, I, I'm probably wrong, but I don't think a lot of head coaches have three straight just like 2023 20, Broncos-type bad years in a row and actually make it to a fourth year. 
even like halfway through the third year. So I absolutely agree. And I would personally, if it, if it does come to that and the roster is like still like top, you know, high, high end talent wise, and we do get younger and we do rebuild. I mean, yeah, at some point you do have to start pointing fingers to the guy who, who is basically, like you said, overseeing the restructure of the roster. And, um, He's not just a, a play caller. He, I mean, he's going to be re-seeing the. He's going to be overseeing the rebuild just as much as Greg Penner is. So, I mean, could you have imagined when Sean, the day Sean Payton got hired, if I would have said to you, they're going to be two and five going into the Chiefs game at home, what would you have said to me? Uh, I don't. I don't even know. Would let me use. Let me use. Let me use a Chicago term. Are you fucking kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me? Sean Payton from Naperville, Illinois. Played quarterback in Naperville Central, went to Eastern Illinois. That fucking guy, there's no way they're going to be two and five. They're two and five. And they've looked bad in the process. And they've beaten two teams that are not very good. They made Justin Fields look like a Hall of Famer. And you live in Chicago, and you know what they say on the score. And ESPN Radio. And you listen to my friends, David Kaplan and Tom Waddle, all bash Justin Fields. I was at that game. I and 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 what did you think as that thing was going on in the first half? Justin Fields first about Hall of Famer. That's what I was thinking. That's right. So we'll see what happens with this team, but you can make the case they could have very easily lost those two games against the Bears and the Packers. With that being said, that is going to be it for today's episode. If you guys are listening on YouTube, hit the like button, subscribe, help us get 2,000 subscribers. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode with uh, Eric Goodman. It was uh, good debating with you a little bit, and I had some good conversations about the Broncos this year. Um, obviously, like you said, we wish we could be talking about a 5-2 and two Broncos team right now, but instead it's 2-5 and five and um, not looking uh, too great for the rest of the year. Like I said, uh, I, don't, I really only see this team pick it up maybe two more wins the rest of the way. Oh, Amir. Yeah. I hate Come to say on, it, man. You're killing me. So you're There's, saying they're going to be two and six on on Sunday at six twenty five your time, Chicago time. Definitely. Yeah, I'd, uh, I would be very, very – there's not even a word I can put on it if the Broncos actually win this game. This is, by the way, the only – the last game I'm asking for the Broncos to win this year. Obviously, yeah, I want to see the Broncos go on a miracle run, but um, this is the last game, like, if we can – for any – somehow any circumstance win this game come out on top end the 16 game losing streak that would be something because i think uh, if we lose this game we're going to be tied with uh the 49ers for the most uh wins over a team uh like a streak um in nfl history i, I think it was the niners over the rams they won like 17 in a row something like that so what um, you're so, saying is what you're saying to me is this amir that this sunday is the broncos super bowl absolutely and, and that's that's yeah yeah exactly that's what it's come to or, uh come to for broncos country and uh and i'm sorry i did not bring a ray of sunshine to broncos avenue i just kind of speak my truth and I, I hope people aren't upset with some of the things that i said but i don't live in the clouds and i like to feel that i don't live in the mud either i like to call it the way i see it that's yeah. That's exactly how we are always on Broncos Avenue. I don't think anybody sugarcoats anything ever on this show. Yeah, uh, like I said, um, if you guys are also listening on Spotify podcast, make sure you guys follow, leave a five star rating, turn notifications on, so you never miss an episode of the Broncos Avenue podcast. With that being said, I'm your host Amir Fair with our guest uh, Eric Goodman. Until the next episode, peace out, everybody.